Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Amen. And I'm going to talk about a little bit about that today. I want to talk on this topic called Facing Your Egypt. Facing Your Egypt. The, the group of men were approaching the city gates, and, and, and the closer they got, the, the quieter the group would become because by the time they were starting to walk through the gate, nobody would say a word. They, they didn't have to because they all knew what each other were thinking. They were all thinking the exact same thing. See, half of the ten brothers were, were looking straight at the ground as not to make eye contact with anyone that they saw. And, and, the, and the other brothers, they were, they were staring into eye, every eye they saw staring in just to, just to see if they could find a glimpse of who, who they thought they, that might be there. They, they were wondering this. They were wondering, what if? What if we actually ran into him today? What, what if we actually saw him? What if we actually ran into him? You see, 22 years earlier, they had a brother that had this dream. And, and for 22 years, he has haunted them every single day because of what happened on that day 20, over 20 years ago. They, it had haunted them with nightmares. And, 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 and today, today is, is probably that day that that they're going to have to face him. 22 years ago, their, their brother was 17 years old, a, a senior in high school, and he thought he knew everything. And see, he had all these dreams. He was a dreamer. He had all of these dreams, and dreams that seemed so real, so real. And, and, and one, of them, one of those dreams one day is, was that all of his brothers were going to bow down to him. That was one of his dreams. You see, he was, he was dad's favorite son. In fact, his name was Joseph. He was dad's favorite son. In, in fact, he, Jacob loved his son so much that he even made him a, a special coat that nobody else had but his favorite son. And that coat was of, of many colors. It was a, a colorful coat just to show that Hey, your your dad's favorite. Way to go, Dad. <laughs> Great job, Dad. <laughs> way, to, way to show all the others that this is your favorite. Way to hold one above the rest. Way to go, Dad. Like, like that wouldn't make the rest of the brothers mad. See, this is the problem. Joseph at 17, was he, he was very gifted. He had lots of dreams. But Joseph at 17, he didn't have a whole lot of character at, at 17. Uh, so he runs outside to all the brothers and in his colorful coat, you know, he's going to wear the coat that dad made him. And he runs out to all his brothers in this colorful coat and runs amongst all the brothers. And, and he tells them this. He's like, hey, brothers, guess what? I had another dream. And he's so excited. He's so pumped up about it. And, and he says this. He's like, he says, all of you. <laughs> You're going to bow down to me. That's what my dream said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not good when they already think your dad's favorite. Not good when you're wearing the colorful coat that he gave you and then they didn't get one. 
Way to go, Joseph. Not, not good when you've been playing Xbox all day long and, and all the other brothers have been working in the fields all day and you come out to tell them this great news, Joe. Way to go, Joseph. Realize this. These, these guys, they, they aren't a bunch of teenagers just sitting around a table. These brothers, they, they, were, they, they were grown men. They were warriors. Uh, two of these grown men, two of these brothers in, in the field that they had already gone and, and slaughtered entire cities. They were mighty warriors. They were mighty men. So, so a few days later, all the brothers are out in the field, and, and here comes Joseph again. Oh, Joe, here he comes from inside. And the anger and resentment from the older brother starts to come up and and it's burning in each one of them. And, and they begin to talk and decide, hey, let's just kill him. Let's just take him down. Let's just kill him right here, right now. Dad will ever know. Let's just kill him. Let's just take care of the problem right here. No more favorite now. We'll all be God, Dad's favorite. And we'll all get colorful coats. And then let's see what happens to Dad's favorites. And then thankfully there's a few wise reasoning brothers that say, you know what, let's not, let's not kill him. You know, he is part of the family. Let's not kill him. But I've got this great idea. We'll sell him as a slave. We'll just sell him as a slave. And, and then, you know what, we can all go celebrate at Saltgrass and eat on behalf of Joe. We can, we can all buy dinner off of Joe today. Let's just sell him. And sure enough, they grab him, they throw him in a pit. And, and sure enough, a few days later, here comes a caravan a caravan coming through on the way to Egypt. And they chase down their brother. They reach him in the pit, tie him up, and they, they sell him as a slave. That was 22 years ago. 22 years of holding this inside. 22 years of covering it up. 22 years of remembering, taking his coat, ripping it to shreds, covering it with animal blood and showing it to dad. 22 years of taking that coat into your father, showing him, telling him that we found this in the field. Dad, do you think this is Jacob's, I mean, Joseph's coat? 22 years of replaying it. And the father looks at it and realizes it is Joseph's coat. It, it is something must have had happened to him. And he must have been eaten by a, a wild animal. They had been living this over and over and over and over for 22 years. See, Joseph was 17 when he was taken. And, and now he's probably 39 years old, the Bible says. Now it was time to face their Egypt. Now, and now, now, now let, let, let me catch you up unto this point about Joseph. Let, let's talk a little bit about where Joseph went in those years because it's part of this story let me catch you up on these 22 years. In those 22 years, Joseph was sold as a slave and, and sent to Egypt. He gets sold to one of Pharaoh's high officials. He becomes an amazing slave. In fact, Joseph becomes a, a, such a good slave. And, I mean, they, 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 he's so good at everything he does because this is Joseph's mentality. If I'm going to be a slave, then I'm going to be the best slave that there is. I can be, and he did it well. And during this time, he began to take care of his master's household. He learned the language. He learned the economy. He learned the systems. He learned everything he could, the commerce, the business, everything he could learn about Egypt. He learned everything he could during this time. He wasn't just going to be a slave. He was going to learn everything there was about him because if I'm going to be a slave, I'm going to be the best slave that I can be. What a mentality Joe had. He did it so well that his master puts him in charge 
of all of his house. He realized everything this slave turns to gold. Everything this slave touches turns to gold. So, so man, I'm just going to put him in charge of my whole house. This high official does. So he put him in charge of everything. It was also during this time that his master's wife began to notice Joseph because he was good looking. He was nice to look at and smart and seemed to have everything good going for him. And so she whispers to Joe, hey, you know what? My husband's going to be gone this week and why don't you come over to my place? Why don't you step into my room because I got something for you. But, but Joe didn't fall for that. Then one day she, she got so tired of offering herself up to him and, and him, a slave, turning her down that, that she ran after him and grabbed him, threw him into her room, and somehow Joe, he, he gets away, but, but she gets his coat, another coat that gets Joe into trouble, coat after coat after coat. So, so she, he, he gets away, but she's got his coat, and what does she do? She goes, rape, rape. Rape! He raped me! And, 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 and so, so everybody's hearing it and they're running in. And remember, this is Egypt. Joseph's a slave. This is a high official's wife. And who's going to listen to a slave when they can listen to a high official's wife? I mean, you don't have to have a trial for this. The high official's wife says rape. It's got to be rape. So he's given the death sentence. But Joseph has found so much favor with the official that that the official couldn't kill him. He's like, you know what? He says, you're one of my favorites. You're, you're an incredible employee. I'm just going to give you a life sentence in prison. Just go in prison. We're not going to kill you. And again, he, 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 he bypasses death, and he's putting into a life sentence. And then Pharaoh, I mean, then, then things start to turn for Joe in prison. Two of Pharaoh's highest officials are put into prison during this time. And they're having what? They're having dreams. They're having dreams in prison. And, and so there's Joe over in cell block D. He's like, what? You're having dreams? I'm good with dreams. I know dreams. I, I can tell you. You know, t tell them to me. And, and, and then they tell him his dreams. And he interprets both of those dreams. And then they both eventually end up getting out of prison, the, the, the two high officials, and they get out, and then, then they hear this. Guess who's having dreams now? Pharaoh. Pharaoh's having dreams, and guess what? Nobody can interpret these dreams. And here's these two high officials, or this one high official at that time. He's like, you know what? A few years ago, I was in cell block D with this guy uh, named, named Joe, uh, and I was having dreams, and he told me exactly what the dreams were going to be, and they came true. Why don't you go to cell block D and, and talk to this Joe? And so, so they, they're, they're, they're going in and, and they tell him, they say, you know, in fact, he's, he's a guy, he's serving a life sentence. He, he said he was in there for rape, but he's saying he didn't do it. Why don't you go talk to him? And Pharaoh gets Joe and he brings him to him into the greatest man in that entire world at that time. Pharaoh, here Joe is now in the greatest man in the world's presence right before him. And Pharaoh tells him his dreams, and then Joe says, Oh, I, I got it. I, I can interpret this dream because God has given me what this dream's about. And, and, and you're about to, he tells him this, he says, You're about to have seven good years, seven years where your crops are just going to, they're just going to bloom and they're just going to be incredible. You're going to have seven of the best years that Egypt has ever had before. 
But then crops are, they're, they're going to start to begin to die because then after that, those seven years are going to be followed by seven years of the worst history that we've ever been in. The drought's going to be incredible. It's going to be, there's going to be a famine in the land and you're going to go through seven years of this and everything you have will be destroyed. And then Job's like, hey, guess what? Here's what I would do. I, I, would, uh, I would find a guy that's good with dreams and, and I would bring him in and, and, I would, and, and, and I would take all the harvest you're going to have for seven years. Uh, after that, I would tax it. I would sell it to all the people surrounding would need it. But I would also store up enough in the warehouses so that in those seven bad years, we would have enough. And we would have so much that everybody would come from far away to get what we had to give to them. And we would make it through. That's what I would do. And Pharaoh's like, wow, you're now governor of Egypt. Pharaoh says, you come be my number two guy right beside me. I'm going to pull you out of prison and I'm going to make you my number two guy in all the land. And meanwhile, we're here and this is where we begin in Genesis 42 verses one through five. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you keep looking at each other? He says, why do you, every time I say Egypt, why, why, do you keep, why do you keep looking at each other? And he continued, he said, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. And then the ten, brothers, ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin. Joseph's brother with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. See, it's been 22 years since they sold him. 22. And, and now Jacob, dad, comes in and says, sons, I need you to go to Egypt and get grain. And, and then Joseph, J Jacob looks at their faces and he's like, why is it that you keep looking like that every time I mention the word Egypt? Why, why is it that look that comes on your face every time somebody from Egypt passes by, that look that's on your face, or every time I say the word Egypt, and, and now I'm telling you to go to Egypt, and y'all just look at each other like... See, it had been 22 years, and every time they hear the word Egypt... The E word, they cringe because it takes them back to that moment. Why is it that every time someone mentions Egypt, you stop and stare at each other like that? And I want to ask you here today, let me bring it into 2018 right this moment and ask you, and be real. I mean, this is, this is a big question, but it's a real important question today. What's your Egypt? We've all got Egypt. We've all got Egypt. It's that thing that somebody mentions and you're like, oh, no, that, no, don't, let's not talk about that. That thing in your past that your Egypt, what is your Egypt? That thing or things that happened somewhere in your past. Let's be real. We've all got Egypt. That thing or things that happened somewhere in your past that, that you don't want anyone to know about. But it happened. Today, not out loud, but I want you to name it. 
I want you to name your Egypt right now. I want you to name your Egypt, and I want to bring it into 2018. And I want you to name it, not out loud, but just name it. You know what it is, that Egypt. It's that, it's that thing that's always, it's always been there that when somebody mentions something about it, you, just, you start to cringe. Today I'm not going to just try to tell you that there's forgiveness for that. I'm not just going to tell you that, that there's just forgiveness for that. Today, I want to tell you this. There is freedom from that. There's freedom from your Egypt today, and it's here today. It's freedom. It's that thing that every time you try to raise your hand in worship, that little voice says, don't you remember what you did with those hands? It's that every time I try to sing a worship song, there's that little voice from my past that says, don't you remember what you said with that mouth, don't you? It's that thing that keeps popping up. It's your, it's your Egypt. It's, it's, it's there, and it's that little voice that says, hey, remember me. And every time you think about it, you're like, Ugh. what's your Egypt? I want to tell you this. And I mean it with all my heart that whatever that is, whatever your Egypt is, that no matter what it is, I want you to know this, that God has already forgiven you for your Egypt. I have to say this. God has already forgiven you for your Egypt. He did it 2,000 years ago on Calvary called a cross. It's when he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to pay the price for their sins for the past, for today. And Jesus said, I'm going to pay the sins for all the way for the future of eternity. I will pay those sins on a cross. God has already forgiven you for it. But today, (laughs) he wants you to find freedom for it. Because it's always been there. It's always been right behind you. You've got to realize this. You've got to realize this. That our past, our past can leave us two ways. It can leave us paralyzed with fear and it can leave us paralyzed with guilt. Our past can leave us paralyzed with fear (coughs) or it can leave us paralyzed with guilt. Jacob says your family is dying. They're starving to death. They're, they're all grown up now, but, uh, but all, all ten of them, and, and they're all supporting families. Realize this. Realize they're all supporting families. Their families are going to die if nothing's done. And Jacob looks at his sons, and he says, why aren't you going? Why aren't you going? What, what, is, what is that look you give me when I mention Egypt, and they're, they're paralyzed? with fear, and they're paralyzed with guilt. They're paralyzed with guilt of their Egypt. And, and I got to be honest, Jacob's not out of this either. He says, I want 10 of you to go, but I want you to leave Benjamin. After Joseph was born, Jacob had another son, Ben. And Jacob says, y'all go to Egypt, but, but you're not taking Ben. Why? It was because of the fear of 22 years ago. It's because something got taken from him. There was hurt in his life from something that he didn't do. But there was hurt there in his life from 22 years ago. And he said, you're not taking Ben. He's going to stay right here with me. Why? Because at that moment, Jacob, the brothers, they were paralyzed with guilt. But Jacob's standing here because of nothing he had done. 
but because of something that got done to him, he's paralyzed with fear, and he's like, you're not taking Ben. Jacob, who God eventually changes the name to Israel, the ten brother or the ten sons, ten of the tribes of Israel that we know today, that before all of that happened, they were sitting there paralyzed. Jacob's paralyzed with fear. I can't let anything else happen to me. The brothers are like, I can't go back. I can't face my Egypt. But later on, Jacob's going to be known as Israel. The ten brothers are going to be known as the ten tribes of Israel. They're going to be used to do great things. And I've got to let you understand this, that even though you've all got and we've all got Egypt in our, in our past, that God can do great things with your life. You've got to understand this. You've got to understand this. So I ask you, what, what if? What if we would have stayed there all of our life? Jacob and the brothers paralyzed with fear, paralyzed with guilt. There would be no Israel. There would be no Israel. There would be no tribes of God's chosen people if they would have stayed paralyzed in fear. This is the importance of facing your Egypt. Because God would later change Jacob's name to Israel. And the tribes of Israel would later be named after these brothers that had committed this horrible crime. And God wants you to see that great things can come from people with bad pasts. And we're here, we're finding Jacob telling them, y'all go, but don't take Ben. Ben isn't a two-year-old in diapers here. Ben's not a two-year-old in diapers at this, at this moment. It had been 22 years. Ben has a beard. That there, there's, there's controversy where he was born right before or right after uh, them, them selling Jacob. But no matter what, he was born either a few years before or a few years after they sold him. So it, he had at least been 20 years old, Ben. Ben's not a baby. He's not a child that you can just say, hey, stay here. But, but dad says, Ben, you're staying here. You're not a go, about to go. And I'm not about to go through that again. I'm not going to move past my Egypt. What is it? What is that thing that's something that you did or something that somebody else did to you beyond your control from two, from 22 years ago, from 80 years ago? I don't know what it may be, but what is that thing that is keeping you from stepping out and getting past your past? I'm asking this very important question to you today. But Jacob says, I'm not going to get hurt like that again. Both the brothers and Jacob are paralyzed at this point. And we move on, Genesis 42, 6 through 8. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. And although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him because he had been in Egypt for 22 years. They didn't recognize him because he, he, he looked different. He, he, he dressed like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. In fact, the, you're going to soon see that he was using an interpreter the whole time. I mean, have you seen Egyptians with the, with the makeup and the headdress and the turbans and all these things and the, 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 the nice makeup, makeup and they're talking like Egyptians and they're, they're walking like Egyptians, you know? I mean, they, they, I mean... It, they didn't notice him because he was walking like this. 
You had to live in the 80s to understand that. I think it was the 80s. may have been earlier. But they didn't realize him, recognize him. But he recognized them. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. His brothers in front of him kneeled down on the floor in front of him begging for food. And, and Joseph, it's got to hit him like, like, whoa. I mean, it's like, whoa, dude. Like, this is that moment. <laughs> like, put yourself right there. I'd be like, oh, yeah, football dance. You know what I mean? I, I'm doing that little deal that they do nowadays. But, but I would be like, whoa, dude, like, time out. This is where the story pauses and it's just, just Joseph. And he's like, this is that dream. You got to realize at that point, that's where the dream comes to play. But not Joseph here, though. Because Joseph at this point had character and wisdom. Genesis 42, 9. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see where our land is protected. No, my Lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We're all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, he said to them, you have come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, your servants were, listen, your servants were 12 brothers, the son of one man who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father and one is no more. Past creeping back up again. One is no more. Why is this even mentioned here? They could have just said, hey, we're 11 brothers and here we are and our brothers in here. But all of a sudden you see in the scripture, they said the youngest is with our father and, and one is no more. Why? Because their conscience is playing over and over and over again. They remembered the 22 years ago and they mentioned the fact that one is no more. Their conscience is at work. Their guilt is at work. Their fear is at work. I knew we'd have to face Egypt. I knew we would be here one day. Do you see him? Have you seen Have you seen Joseph? I don't see him, but I know he's got to be. That their, their guilt, they're, they're replaying time after time. Why, why, why? Because they tried to bury it. They tried to bury their Egypt. They didn't tell dad. They didn't tell no one. They just buried it. And I want to ask you today a very important question. Have you buried your Egypt? Have you tucked it away to where no one else knows about it? Maybe it was just you alone and nobody knew what you were looking at or saying or doing. Or maybe you've tucked away that hurt. It doesn't hurt me anymore. I don't feel the pain. But somewhere down deep inside you, you buried your Egypt, haven't you? Because we all buried our Egypt. The brothers tried to bury their Egypt. But do you see 22 years later? Before Egypt is coming up, it's replaying over and over and over again. Genesis 42, 14. Joseph said to them, it is just as I told you, you are spies and this is how you will be tested as surely as Pharaoh lives you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison here so that your words may be tested to see if you're telling the truth. If you're not, then I surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. 
And he put them all in custody for three days. And on the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this, and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest, honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving household. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do, and they said to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. Get it? <laughs> Conscious guilt keeps replaying over and over. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded for us for his life, but we would not listen, and that's why the distress has come back upon us. Oh, get this, get this, get this. They're replaying the words. that They're, they're, they're replaying every moment. That Joseph said, oh, don't do it. No, 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 not me. Every tear that Joseph shed as they tied him up and threw him in the pit, all that, that, that Egypt, they were replaying over and over and over in their mind. It just kept replay, 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 replay over and over. What, what did you do? Or even bigger question, what was done to you? What did you do? Well, what was done to you? You play it over and over. It's replaying right now as I'm speaking. In this service, in the presence of God, it's replaying over and over and over. You hear it over and you hear it over again. And you can replay every sentence, every second, every moment. It's visual. You remember every second of that day, every moment of that day, that thing that you did or that thing that was done to you. And I have to tell you today, it's got you paralyzed. It's got you paralyzed. It's got you stuck there in either guilt or stuck there in fear. But it's got you stuck. In the next few verses, Joseph realized that his families, and I'm only skipping some scripture just, to, just for time, but, but his, his family needs the grain, so he releases them. He keeps one of the brothers. They leave. But on the way home, they realized that, that the money they had brought with, with the grain was put back in their bags. And they go home, and they get home, and they tell Jacob everything that happened, and here we are in 35, as they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was his pouch of silver, when they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. Their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, because Simeon's in prison at the moment. And now you want to take Benjamin? Every, everything is against me. You've been there? Everything's against me. Everybody's against me. My job, my, my, my friends, my family, everything is against me. It's just even God is against me right here said the father of Israel. Put that on the coffee cup. If you want a scripture, put that scripture on your coffee cup. Like everything's against me every morning. <laughs> Don't do that. At this point, the father of Israel, the father of future generations of God's chosen people, himself says, everything's against me. I've been there. You've been there. We've all been there. Everything's against me. I'm done. Jacob's done. Even Reuben's done. And in fact, I, I, there's a part in this story where Reuben says, you know what, Dad? Because Reuben's so done with it, he's like, look, I'm going to go back and I'm going to fight the whole land of Egypt. I'm going to get Simeon and I'm going to bring him back to you because I'm big. He's trying to act big and bad here. But you really, in fact, he says, he says, and if I don't make it back, you can kill my two sons. You have to see this right here. 
that if you don't get past your Egypt, you know what Reuben was doing? He was done. He was going to commit suicide. Not only was he going to commit suicide, he says, if I kill myself, then kill my two sons. And I want to tell you what the I want to tell you what your past is trying to do to you. It's trying to steal your heart. It's trying to stop your future generations from living for God. And it's trying to stop you right now. But not only stop you, but your future generations. That's why it's so important that we get past our past. And we meet our Egypt. And we meet our Egypt. They're done. Not dealing with the past will rob you of your future. They get the grain, they get home, they open up their bags and and get this, all their money's returned. And how do they see it? They see this as a setup. They see this as a curse. There is so much in this story, people, that if you don't get past your past, even the blessings that people are trying to give you, you will see as a curse. You will look at the, well, they didn't help me enough. They didn't do enough for me. And the whole time, they're right there serving and doing everything they can. And the blessings, I mean, it's like this. that all their, that They went and bought the grain. They got the grain. They're returning home. And they got their money back. It's like, it's like I meet with Eric Brown or Joe, Joe Mace. I, I go meet Joe Mace and say, hey, it was, this is Hyundai, right? Hyundai. And I say, Joe, I want to buy a Hyundai. <laughs> Makes me want to do that every time I say that. Yanda. Uh, but anyways, back to the normal schedule program. I, I go meet Joe, and I'm like, hey, Joe, I need, do they make trucks? Well, where's Eric Brown? <laughs> There's Eric Brown. I'm going to go, I need a Chevy truck. <laughs> Eric, Eric, you can find me a Chevy truck, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or for Eric find anything. That's, you need to meet, even though you got your social media account. Anyway, so I'm like, hey, uh, I said, I'm like, hey, I, I, want, I want a truck, and I go buy a truck from Eric, and, and I buy the truck and sign the notes, and I'm driving the truck home, and I get home, and, and I, I get out, I'm showing all my kids my new truck, and my wife my new truck, I'm like, hey, I like my new truck, and I look on the other seat over there, Eric Brown, I, I bought the truck for $22,000, that's a good deal, and over there on the seat over there, Eric wrote me a check for $22,000. Okay, now, now I don't know about you, but if I bought a truck for $22,000 and the dealer said, hey, I'm going to write you back a check for $22,000, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, blessings are upon me. Like, let's go check that thing. If we're going to pay this thing off right now, not these people. They saw it as a curse. And if you don't get past your past, you will see blessings in your life as a curse. So big in this story. Three ways. We try to handle our past. This is it. We bury it, number one. We try to bury it. How has that worked? Not good. Oh, it's good. Nobody else knows. It's buried. It's, all, it's, all, <laughs> it's back there. It's about, I put it in the ground, but I, I buried it. I'm just going to put it in the past. I'm going to get over it. I want to tell you today, you can't bury it. It's going to come play over and over and over in your life. 22 years later, they're still scared to go to Egypt. They can't even hear the word Egypt. Number two, number one is we bury it. Number two is we end up blaming others. I understand this very well. Whether you did it or someone else did it to you, it's always best just to blame somebody else. It was somebody else's fault. And and some of you even have reason to blame others because they're the ones that did it. Just stay with me. Someone else is wrong. 
It hurt you tremendously. But this is the deal. It's become your Egypt. Not theirs. They're fighting their own Egypt. But the hurt, the wrong, all that, it's become your Egypt. It's become your Egypt. You can blame them for the rest of your life, but you're still holding on to the damage that that has been done to you at this very moment. And number three, we end up blaming ourselves. Today, I want to give you two steps that are very important to finding freedom. Pastor's going to talk Wednesday about the freedom class and about all it does, but I want to let you in on, on some things. To, to some, this is going to be easy. To some, it's going to be tremendously hard, but it's a few steps that you need to do in your own life if you want to get past your Egypt, past your past. In fact, that's what this church is all about. It's one of our key statements. First one is, anybody know Jesus? Number two is, find freedom. The rest you can learn about in Growth Track today. Number one, we have got to face the truth, and you've got to accept it. It happened. You did it, or somebody else did it, but it happened. Your past is the truth. Your past is the truth. It happened. You can't deny it. You can't bury it. You've got to face Egypt. You've got to turn. You can't, do, you can't say, I'm not going back to Egypt. You've got to turn, and you've got to go back to Egypt. You've got to, you've got to face Egypt. You've got to quit running from it. You've got to quit denying it. It was, it was true. It happened. It's in the past, but it was just true, and you've got to face the truth. You've got to accept it. I did it. They did it. No matter what, it happened. It's, the, it, it, it's a part of my life. First thing is we've got to face the truth and accept the truth. And number two, this is the biggie. Instead of accepting the truth in our life of what we did, we've got to accept the truth that God has done. That he paid for our sins. That he died on a cross. That he forgives. And we've got to accept that and understand that's the truth we need to understand. But we need to accept the grace of God and step into God's grace and accept God's grace, not guilt. God wants you to accept his grace. Listen, Jesus was a master at showing this, and I'm almost done. Jesus was a master at showing, accepting grace and not guilt. He was a master. After he did the Easter thing, you know, the poo, you know, you know, the, that, those three things, uh, you know, Jesus, he, he, was, he, was, he was a master at this. After Easter happened, Jesus comes back, and you know who he had to talk to? He didn't have to, but he had to talk. He made a point to talk to Peter. He made sure that he had a, not only talked with him, but had a walk with Peter on a beach. Why? Because Peter was the one that, during the trial, disowned him. He, he, disobeyed, he disowned Christ, cursed Christ. He said, I don't even know him, and he did it three times. And Jesus knew, if I don't talk to Peter, because he knew what Peter was going to do in Acts, if I don't talk to Peter now and tell him and talk to him and have a walk with Peter and talk with Peter, then he's not going to get to Acts. After he rose, after he, he has a walk with, with Peter and, and then Jesus did those things, the, you, know, the, you know that deal. Uh, that's a new dance, by the way, new Christian dance. Then Jesus did the Easter, dead, buried, and rose again. Three days later, the women come to the tomb. You know the story. He, he's not here. 
He's risen. And they get a word from an angel that says, hey, go tell all the apostles, go tell all the disciples that Jesus is going to meet with them. Hey, 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 hey. But guess what? Go tell Peter too. Go tell all the disciples. But hey, especially Peter. And they do that. And, and, and the only one mentioned here by name there, why? Because words are going to get back to Peter and everyone else that Jesus wants to meet everyone. And Peter's going to be like, you know what? No. Not me. He don't want to meet with me. Put yourself in those shoes. And they say, no, you were the only one specifically mentioned, Peter. And they show up on the beach. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? That's all he said. And Jesus wanted Peter to know this. He says, Peter, I know you messed up. I know that you did wrong. I know you messed up. I know that you messed up, but, but, but we're good. I'm moving on. You move on. Experience freedom, Peter. And Peter would have remembered the denial and the feel of guilt and may have trapped him right there and not ever been on Acts 2 when he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises for you and all those others, and goes on and goes on and goes That moment may never happen if Peter's sitting there, why me? Jesus went back to Peter. Jesus did it again at a well one day in John chapter 4. The woman goes to the well to, to get water at noon, and and, and where, where women don't get water in the morning, where, where they don't get water in the heat of the day. I mean, women go in those days in the cool of the day, in the morning or in the evening. But this woman went in the heat of the day. Why? Because she was avoiding all the other women in town. And she, and she had good reason because she wasn't an upstanding person in the community. She's at the well when Jesus shows up and he, he tells her he, he's got answers where she will never thirst again. And she's like, I want to know about this. And then Jesus is, is like, hey, hey but, but first, let, let's talk about your husband. And she's like, well, uh, oh, no, Egypt, I'm not married. You know, uh, and, and Jesus says, oh, I already knew that because you've been married five times. And the guy that you're sleeping with, he's somebody else's husband. Jesus just called out. And I want to let you know right now, Jesus Christ God himself knows everything we have all done right now. Don't be ashamed of that. Just know that. He knows it before. She didn't have to tell him. He said, oh, I know five husbands. Oh, he, he knows. And I want to tell you, when you buried it, he knows. And she's like, I'm not married and sleeping with somebody else's husband. And he's like, well, we're going to talk about that. And she's like, that's my Egypt. That's my greatest nightmare. That's why I come in the heat of the day when it's so hot to get water because I don't want to face my Egypt. That's my greatest nightmare. And Jesus is like, well, well, that's what I want. I want you to face it. I want you to accept it. I want you to understand that that is true. You did it. Somebody else did it. I accept it. Face it. Accept it. You know it. We know it. And, and, and this is the deal. You know it. I know it. And we're going to clean this slate right here, Jesus tells her. Right here. Forget it. I know it. You know it. Let's move on. Three-step process to find your freedom right there. You know it. He knows it. Move on. This seems easy, doesn't it? 
1 John 1 and 9 says, but if we confess our sins to him, our Egypt, our hurts, our pains, our sins, the things we did, the things that somebody else did, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us, listen to this, and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And to cleanse us from all wickedness. And to cleanse us. Not just forgive you, but cleanse you to find freedom. He not only wants to forgive you, and he wants you to find freedom. I'm not talking just about forgiveness. If I asked this crowd before today, I would ask you, how many times have you asked for forgiveness for Egypt? And I'd be like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I take my shoe off. Get my, I, 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 it's been 22 years, God. I've asked for forgiveness 100,000 times. I want you to understand this. You only have to ask for forgiveness one time. Just once. But you have been facing your Egypt time and time again. And every time it replays, you ask for forgiveness again. Why? Because you haven't found freedom from that. You found forgiveness a hundred thousand times you've given forgiveness but you haven't been freed from it every time Jesus is approaching something he always went after their Egypt he wanted them to know that he knows it's okay let's move on that's what Jesus wants you to know today he knows you know let's move on and every time he approached them he went after their Egypt this is how Peter then went on and stood up in front of everyone and preached acts because he had found freedom. Right now at this time, I'm asking if, if you, I've, I've talked to the people that went through freedom group. I, I want you to stand and I want you to come gather around the front. We're about to pray. In fact, uh, if you could come, uh, Brother James. Let me explain it this way. We are always looking through a windshield. This is not the cleanest windshield. In fact, it's not a windshield, it's a table, but it's glass. But we're always looking through a windshield. And God wants you to look through a windshield clearly. He wants you to see the future. He wants to see everywhere you go. He wants you to see the prayer counselors, the friends of yours, the family that he has for you. And he wants you to see clearly through this windshield. But see, this is what we do. This is what we do. This is going to be a little hard because it's writing backwards, but we're going to get it. But this is our windshield. You are keeping the past in front of you every day because you haven't found freedom. And you're trying to listen to this message. You know how you're listening to this message? Through the lens of your past. You're seeing this message. You're hearing this message. You're like, it can't happen to me. I, I don't know what you're, you know why, because you're looking through your past. You're trying to read the word and try to study God's word, but how are you looking at it through? You're looking at it through your past. You're looking through your past. You're looking through your past. You're looking at your relationships. You don't realize this, but your relationships... You're living your relationships through your past. This is my wife, by the way. But, oh, I wish I could understand 
and you could see how many people in this room right now are married, but your relationship that you're living today steal through your past and you can't find freedom in your marriage. Maybe it was something done to you. Maybe it was something you did before you ever met your mate. But you're looking at everything through your past. And God is saying, would you just put your past behind you? Would you just set it down and accept freedom today? Understand this. It's been 22 years, and it clouds everything I see, clouds everything I'm doing. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old, your past, is passed away, and behold, everything else has become new. If you don't get that scripture, Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a brand new thing in your life. You see what I see right now? I don't see my past when I'm trying to move forward and to move into the God things of my life. Yeah, there's a past back there. Yes, understand this. God has forgiven my past. He, I don't, I don't understand how, but God doesn't remember it anymore. But I do. I do. And time after time after time, I look through the lens of the past. But there's got to be a point where I find freedom. My past will always be with me. It will because I'm human. It's hard for me to forget. God's forgotten it. But it's hard for me to forget. But this is where the point comes. I can't live looking like this. I can't see my relationships. I got to find freedom from this. And I got to move past my past. With God's help and God's love and God's grace and mercy. And you know what? Watch this. See something? I'm moving away from my past. I'm moving forward to the things that God has for me. I'm moving away from my past. My past is still in the past. But the further I get in God, the more I begin to move forward, the more I begin to move away from it. It gets further and further from me. Yeah, I can still see it. It's back there. But you know what? It's a reminder that shows me that says, Jesus Christ died for me. He loves me. And he doesn't want me to live in my past. He wants to put it behind me and way back there. You aren't supposed to drive staring at the windshield of the past. It's behind you. You're a child of God. And he says, I don't remember it. Put it in your past. Move forward. Move forward. You're not that anymore. You've been redeemed. You've been made better than new. That's what the cross did for you. Would you stand with me today? The enemy loves to use your past against you. And he tried through every person in the Bible. Through David. We just talked about Jacob. We just talked about the ten brothers. I've already mentioned what happens to them. Jacob becomes Israel, the father of Israel. The brothers, the tribes are named after them. Uh, Later on in the story, they, they find out who Joseph is. All things are brand new. Joseph doesn't hold anything against them. They all love and they party and they move on. Why? Because they put the past behind them. And I want to tell you this today. 
It doesn't matter who you were. It only matters what you will become. You can find freedom today. You can find freedom today.